We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. I'm trying something new based on your feedback. Stay tuned to the end of the interview where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights will also be in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening. Now, on to my guest for today, Dr. Steve Iacovelli, the gay leadership dude. Steve started out in and quickly left academia, moving to doing training and communications work for corporations, including Disney. It was while he was working for Disney that he started a side business with a coworker that eventually morphed into his full time gig top dog learning group. A meeting with a publisher prompted him to write about and publish a book on leadership for the gay community, in the process taking on the moniker, The Gay Leadership Dude. Steve provides training for leaders in corporations and large nonprofits to be better communicators with a focus on fostering a more inclusive environment. He explains how anyone starting a business should give some thought to their core values so that they can articulate those values to the people they work with, be it their employees, partners, or customers. These values also can provide guidance for navigating difficult situations. He also urges the people he works with to purposely put themselves in uncomfortable situations they will have to interact with different types of people other than themselves. Among among the many other recommendations Steve offers, he drives home the point that above all, empathy for others, no matter what their position or situation, should be paramount. Now, let's get better together. Dr. Steve Iacovelli, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. Well, I am excited to talk with you because you have uh, a doctorate in education, distance learning. Um, There's a lot of that going on. Like (laughs) my future stepdaughter has been distance learning in the San Francisco Unified School District for a while. And we could talk all about the nuttiness of that. Um, But I love what you're doing at Top Dog Learning Group. You know, you're the you're the gay leadership dude, registered <laughs> yes. trademark now, which exactly is really cool. Right. <laughs> this is exactly. so cool. Um, and there's just a lot of things to kind of unpack with what you do. 
um, because it's really relevant to what we're talking about today in the world. But before we do that, like I like to ask all of my guests, why don't you uh, tell us how you got to do what you're doing today? Yeah, thank you, Ajari. Um, so at Top Dog Learning Group, which is what I've been doing since 2008 as my full-time gig. Um, prior to that, I was an internal consultant with a bunch of folks like uh, IBM. Uh, I worked at Disney for a while. I was a professor for like a hot minute. Academia was not my jam, quite frankly. Um, I'm, I'm too much of a business dude. But uh, but I, I've been really fortunate because if I look back on my 20 blah, blah, blah years of, of my career, there's always been this thread of leadership and effective communication training, whatever that looks like. Um, and, and so I decided uh, actually in 2002, uh, I was uh, working at Disney Cruise Line, which is where I, I mostly worked when I was in the Disney company. And I was taking the job of, of a colleague. And so we were on board one of the Disney ships. I was kind of shadowing her and she's like, we need to have dinner. I'm like, well, we're on a seven night voyage. We're not really going anywhere. We're going to have dinner. She's like, no, no, no. Let's go to the spa. And I laugh because, um, you know, side note, if you've ever worked for a cruise line, you see your coworkers in their swimsuits a lot. It's really weird. But um, so anyway, we went to the spa and we're hanging out. She's like, we should start a business. I'm like, well, we have jobs. She's like, no, we'll do it on like a side hustle thing. I'm like, okay, let's talk about this. So we went um, to our senior uh, HR person, told her the deal. And she's like, okay, great. Don't use Disney stuff. Don't use Disney time. Have fun. And then, you know, we did it part-time and we didn't really do a whole lot. Had a couple of clients. And then at the end of 2007, uh, I, what's the euphemism? Um, I, I was between jobs. Right? <laughs> that way. And, I was uh, taking a long weighted sab- respite from the sabbatical. Yeah, sabbatical. There you go. So uh, I was, I was job hunting and I'm like, well, wait a minute. I have this business infrastructure from a part-time. Let's see if I can make it a full-time gig. And so 2008, January, took it out there and knock on wood, that's been my jam ever since. Wow. And you started in 2008. Bold move. Yeah. Awesome time. Awesome time. (laughs) You either got perfect timing or the (laughs) worst timing in the world. But same with 2020. A lot Mm -hmm. of people have been starting businesses in 2020. And of course, a lot of people have been suffering in 2020 as well, but you know, which is sad. But what I've seen with all the entrepreneurs I know, especially the ones who got the side hustle and there's been huge amount of growth and just, it's incredible. Um, yeah. what people can do. And it's just so powerful, the entrepreneur spirit. And I think the one of the most important things that we can do as entrepreneurs is share our knowledge and learning. And, Absolutely. and that's why it's just so cool that what you're trying to do and and and, and help people with that. So, and so you, you mentioned something about like communications and, and like having a group that, that teach us some of that. So why don't you take us through some of the things that you see when people come to you about like, what are they missing in their communication Mm -hmm. strategy? How, how do you, how do you help them communicate better? So, yeah. So, so what we do is, is we really try to target or or zero in on um, three specific areas. So I think of like our little doghouse sitting in the center of three very complimentary, but, but, but slightly different areas that all really wrap around communication. So we play around with leadership and organizational development. We look at uh, creating um, diversity, inclusion, and a sense of belonging. And then we really look at change management and resiliency. And then so when, when we go into a client, um, it's it's usually one, if not all three of these. So we're doing things like formal training, virtual or face-to-face when we could do that, um, group coaching sessions, uh, executive coaching one-on-ones, off-the-shelf solutions, some straight-up consulting for folks. And so uh, what we tend to see is uh, you know, we focus when we talk about communications, we focus on inclusive communication. So it's throwing in that, the whole, um, you know, diversity, inclusion and belonging thing. And then we try to put that through the lens of leadership. So, and of course, in our philosophy, anybody who has influence in a workplace is a leader. It's not based upon job role or how many people report to you and all that good stuff. And then the approach we take is, is almost always a change management strategy. And that's when I was at IBM, that was what, what I did was, um, you know, training is great, but it's just like, oh, if I want to get fit, I don't just go to the gym once. Like you just go to a webinar once you have to kind of work at it. You have to look at your food intake, all that other stuff that goes around how you change human behavior. So that's really where we pull the thread of change management kind of pulling into the the mix. Yeah, no, that's, I like how you kind of take the corporate kind of structure, the the good stuff, (laughs) like I like to say, because I'm, I'm with, I'm with you, man. Like I, I've been doing the entrepreneur gig for over 25 years. I spent some time in corporate companies and I just could not handle it. (laughs) And 
and I don't know if I'm unmanageable, unemployable. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but there's just some visceral antibody reaction to bad corporate coffee and bullshit politics. Right, right. <laughs> I just can't handle it. And um, and I really do like the fact about you talking about diversity, inclusion, and belonging, because I think a lot of times in the entrepreneur world, I mean, just look at the statistics, right? It's a bunch of tall white guys with beards right. and vests, <laughs> mostly the investors. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, guilty is charged on my end. Um, but it's like not very, I don't see this job or this career, this vocation as um, like exclusive. I think it's probably one of the most inclusive things you can do because there's not a community in the world that doesn't need an entrepreneur, a mm -hmm. business, some sort of, you know, driving force to help their community. And so you know, you, you say, you, you talk about being, you know, the, the gay leadership dude, how are you taking, you know, that message to the, to the gay community or is it the gay community or the LGBTQ? I honestly don't know what In the Bay area. You don't know. Well, I just, so, so full, full disclosure I do, but I get, I have all these different friends that tell me different things. No. And I'm just honestly trying to not get in trouble. No, you, no, you're totally fine. And you're okay, totally cool. safe with me. So it's fine. So, oh, cool. so what I go through and matter of fact, uh, in my book, pride leadership strategies for the LGBTQ plus leader to be the king or queen of their jungle. Um, that's exactly cool. what I talk about at the beginning, because cool. I'm like, there are so many alphabet letters after this, which ones do you use? And, and I, you know, you want to be inclusive as inclusive as you can. So, um, you know, lesbian, gay, bisexual, that's the sexual orientation piece, transgender is the gender identity, gender expression piece. Mm -hmm. And, you to collectively together, we're all um, what's called sexual minority. And so that's kind of where, where the community part comes in. Mm -hmm. Then you see the plus, or at least personally, I use the plus, or I lived in France, so I say plu because it sounds cooler. Um, so, <laughs> it so, does so, sound cooler. Plu, yeah. Q plu. Um, but uh, I use plus because well, because then you could see Q could stand for queer or questioning. And those are two different aspects. You know, I, questioning is I haven't really determined some of those things yet. Um, and and uh, that's the questioning part. Queer is I don't want to be labeled in any of those letters. Mm. And, th and then you could also add intersections there. So you might see an I, you might have A for asexual or ally. So mm. I just collectively personally like the, the plus blue, um, just because you know it doesn't disenfranchise. It acknowledges that there's a whole lot more going on here with the community. But this is, you know, so we can save some space in our typing here's kind of where we want to do without disenfranchising anybody. So that's where I, I kind of use it. And then you yeah. can also use gay is, is an acceptable generic term. Queer is an acceptable generic term as well, which gets a little confusing, but it still works. Um, so those are kind of the, the things I personally stick to. Yeah. No, thank you for that. I mean, yeah. I know a lot of people get confused and it's not, it's not, it's not because they want to discriminate. It's just because no, they're fine. mostly ignorant. I mean, I think it's mostly ignorance in this. I mean, of course, I live in San Francisco, so <laughs> right. I get exposed to the cutting edge of some of this stuff, sure. as well as the diversity of the of the gay community as well, yeah. which is just this fantastic, eclectic bunch of just beautiful humans. And what's really great, I I think, is that the the the, the gay community's ability to organize around mm -hmm. stuff is second to none. <laughs> I have, I have never seen a better group of organized people, to be honest. And, and it's just beautiful. And of course we're, you know, with Harvey Milk being like probably right, one right, of the right. people that, have, that, have, that fosters a lot of that. So, yeah. It's, it's been, it's been interesting because um, kind of to your point about, you know, bringing the, the gay leadership dude story to, you know, I, and I primarily work with fortune 500s and large not-for-profits. So these are, you know, kind of the, the bigger global enterprise uh, folks and uh, so for me, you know, prior to writing my book, Pride Leadership, the gay leadership dude didn't exist. I mean, yes, obviously I did, but uh, but that wasn't kind of my my brand. My brand was Top Dog Learning Group and me and my top doggers, which are my consultants, would go and do our thing. And then I started writing my book um, in 2018 after meeting uh, this woman at a conference. We were sorting our business cards and she's like, what do you do? I'm like, uh, consulting, blah, blah, blah. And, she's, and I'm like, how about you? I'm a publisher. I'm like, you know there's a leadership book in my head that needs to come out. She's like, let's get that book out. And so you flash forward, you know, uh, publisher purpose press, uh, Jennifer Grace uh, was my kind of guiding light in that. And one of the, and she's not just a great publisher, but she's an insanely good marketer. And, um, 
like she, I mean, she has a marketing consulting business. And so she would shepherd you as an author through the lens of being a marketer, which I thought was brilliant. And so she had all these great nuggets of wisdom, big that's, and small. One huge. Was, oh, it's huge. It's huge. Authors are awful marketers. Just oh, so you know. <laughs> totally, totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, yeah, but like little things she said, okay, right now, before you ever write your first word, go by the URL, steveonamazon.com. I'm like, okay, why? She goes, because that's your redirect when people say, where can I find your book? Steve on amazon.com. And I'm like, that's, that's small, but that's so brilliant. And then, you know, all the way to, to the bigger things, which is where the gay leadership dude came in and so to speak, came out, came in. Um, <laughs> so, so she, uh, she's, she's like, you know, you need a personal brand she's mm. separate from your business brand, because let's, th- let's face it. Top dog can grow so big and you could sell it and you're not part of it, but then mm. you, you don't want to sell off part of you, because I assume you're still going to want to do your keynotes and all that stuff. Yeah. I'm like, Hey, that's a good idea. So that's where I noodled on it. And, um, I came up with the gay leadership dude because you immediately know three things about me. Um, just try the title one I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> shocker. No, shocker. Second shock, shock, right? Uh, second is that I self-identify as a dude. And then third is that I really like to talk and focus on leadership. And as a white cisgender dude, so when you see me, you know, it, oh, oh, there's a uh, there's a privileged white dude going down the street. Cool. Well, now now you immediately know that I'm part of a minority group, and so let's have that different conversation about you know uh, engaging the other and all that good stuff. And so it's been really well received. Um, I've been doing just a ton of virtual keynotes with a bunch of, of companies, both with their their LGBT group, and then uh, a lot of my signature talks are, are really just about being an inclusive leader. Period. It doesn't matter right. who you are. So it's right. a lot of allyship and a lot of, you know, what can I do to be a more effective leader so that I'm not excluding people, but I'm really working to include them. Yeah. And you're also a professional podcast host. I am. That's I'm sorry. Guest, not host. Guest, <laughs> oh, yes, not oh, host. Did I, did I, did I spill the beans that you should no, have a podcast? Is that no, what I'm trying to, was yet. that a slip not of a tongue? <laughs> Gosh, you and everyone else, but not yet. Oh, well, not yet, but not you're yet. so good at it. I mean, this is the thing, right? Like if you're talented at something and your talents, communications are <laughs> part of communications, right. this is a great venue for that. And uh, like a median for, for that, because you just feel the energy. And I think that's what a lot of entrepreneurs like I, I get all this all the time. Like, well, how much personal promotion should I do? How much of me should be, right. I should I be a thought leader or a brand or whatever. Right. <laughs> and I, and you can't see us, but I'm doing this. With bunny ears, bunny ears. Yeah, bunny ears and ear, <laughs> and air quotes. Right. Because it's a little annoying, like, Oh, my personal brand, but, 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 but you, you brought up a great point. And I really want to hammer this home with those entrepreneurs that are both young entrepreneurs and experienced entrepreneurs. Yeah. It is important that you separate yourself from your company and who you are. This actually goes past just personal brand or whatever. You want to be more than the company you are. You want to stand for something. And for you, it's leadership inclusion as a mm-hmm. general rule. If you were to you know, leave Top Dog, that's still who you are because it's right. the core of your essence, right? It's your values, it's your mission, your vision, whatever it is, right? Um, and if you make take a stand, as an individual, right? And as a company, but mostly as an individual, like the reason why I started this podcast, The Entrepreneur Ethos is because I wrote a book about how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world through entrepreneurship. Nice. I firmly believe in that. That's who I am. That's what I think entrepreneurship should be. That's what I'm going to be until I die. Whatever company I'm at, you know, my PR firm or whatever, that's not me, right? That's what I want to be known for, you know, as well as you know, helping other, helping men deal with grief and sorrow. Cause you know, I, right. cause you know, I lost Jane, she died, you know, four years ago from leukemia. And that was a very impactful thing. Mm. Um, and as, as leaders in a community, mm-hmm. it is our responsibility, I feel. And I'm so glad that you're doing that because as we start to interact with other types of people, we find out that we're all pretty much the same. (laughs) We all like want the same things. We all want to be safe, right? We all want to be part of a community. We all want to be seen. We all want to be heard. And we really, really, really want to live our lives and be beautiful humans. And I I truly believe that. And I think all the hate and all that other stuff is really just ignorance of not getting to know people like you. I remember when I first moved to San Francisco, I didn't really hang out with a lot of gay people, to be honest. 
And when you get up here and you're in a community where everyone's a little bit like everyone's got their thing, but right. the beauty <laughs> is that you see humanity for what humanity is. Like we're all in it together. And yep. that was, you know, that's I get a little choked up when I talk sure, about Jane, sure. but um, really powerful. And how, how has that been received? I know corp- corporations are big into this now. Yeah, I mean, they kind of have to be, I guess. But the whole concept of, of of being inclusive is is typically part of the the organization's core values, and and so that's another piece of advice to kind of jump on what you were saying, Jari. Is is it's never too early to think about your corporate vision, mission, values, even if it's just you. Um, and, and those values are part of who you are. I, that's actually one of the first thing I talk about in Pride Leadership. We do six uh, leadership competencies that I've seen people either you know knock it out of the park really awesomely or really screw up because they didn't have these. Um, and for those who are, are listening, it's authenticity, courage, empathy, communication, relationships, and culture, in, in case shaping culture. And so I start with authenticity on purpose because it's about you. And, and so understanding your own personal values is kind of relates to how you work, how you engage, um, and how you fit into whatever organization, if you're still with a corporation or you're starting your own business, you know, that's that's values are, are your kind of expected rules of engagement as you do the day the day-to-day work. And so if if you don't know your own personal values, how are you going to communicate that through your business to your future employees or even your vendors or, or your 1099ers or whoever that is? So so finding out your authentic self, uh, finding out your own personal values, and then leading through those is is really a, a story that pretty much every organization I talk about uh, or talk with really uh, resonates with. Yeah, no, it's true. I think it starts with the self. Um, I mean, I know Harvey Milk, he was big into his famous line, I'm here to recruit you, right? Because <laughs> uh, I actually stole that line from him when I was trying to when we were trying to find a bone marrow donor for, for mm. Jane. And I remember um, one of the other things that he said a lot was don't be in the closet. Yeah. Be who you are. And yeah. I know that's hard for people. And of course I live in one of the cities where that's a lot easier. And I know friends of mine that have come out, mm-hmm. the burden is lifted off of them and they can be their true authentic self. And you just see like, they, you know, I, I've never been through this, so I don't know. Right. So, right, sure. you know, but I can only imagine the toughness, like I'm not who I am. This is really tough to like yeah. quote unquote hide. How can we as the majority, obviously, you know, me, you know, tall white sure. guy with a beard, you know, <laughs> guilty as charged, no vest. I don't wear vests. I wear no hoodies. Vest. That's fine. Yeah, how can we uh how can we be more of an ally and really have that like openness? I mean, again, like agree or disagree we're going to be interacting with lots of different people. And this goes not only for for every demographic. Right. Exactly. How, how, how do you teach the majority to be, do this? Yeah. And and it's a really fantastic question, especially in, in these times with, with so much social unrest focus with our black and brown brothers and sisters. You know, a lot of people are asking me, how do I be a better ally to insert group here? And, And it's really simple. Actually, you stop and you listen. And you know, to paraphrase Stephen Covey, um, we often listen to respond versus listen to understand. Don't mm-hmm. do that. Just listen to hear. And um, you know, I talk about it in the communication chapter, actually, in my book, because listening is one of the most undervalued leadership qualities out there. And and if we can just stop and listen to our other brothers and sisters, and yes, friends, I just did bunny ears with the around the other. <laughs> uh, but but if you if you really just stop and listen to the other, like you know, what is your pain point? What is what is happening? And most importantly, what can I do to support you? And then stop and listen, because it's going to be different for each group, each person. Um, Sometimes as an ally, we need to be in front of that person defending Mm -hmm. them. Sometimes as an ally, it's like, nope, we just got your back. You let us know when you need us. You know, we don't want the, um, you know, the white savior kind of mentality with a person of color or, you know, my, my, my straight knight in shining armor, because as a queer person, I can't defend myself. That may or may not be the case. So, I mean, that's the best thing. The other thing that we can do as smart allies is put ourselves in those uncomfortable positions. I know when I worked at IBM, I was actually, I joined the women's group. 
And I've had some of my colleagues are like, why are you doing that? I'm like, how, how better can I be an ally to my female coworkers if I understand what their pain points are and then can, can be that, that voice of allyship to help change them. And, and so find a, a space where you can just be that ally with whomever, um, you know, maybe it's go to a group or a church or a social organization or an event that isn't kind of quote unquote your jam um, and just see what it's like and get that discomfort and, and, and feel that otherness so that you can take that feeling and that, that understanding and apply it to be uh, that voice for uh, those of us who maybe don't have a loud, as loud of a voice. Yeah, that's a really good, uh, it's really good advice. I know I'm just remembering um, the first time I ever went to a gay club. Um, and it was funny because I, I went, yeah, yeah. Well, I went with my wife. I went with my <laughs> wife at the time um, and a bunch of other friends. And the thing that struck me, and I, I'll admit I was a little nervous, just I didn't know what to expect. But I remember two things that stood out and it was the most beautiful thing. One, it was the happiest place I've ever been. Almost. <laughs> And two, the drinks were so cheap, <laughs> <laughs> right? Smart. And I'm like, whoa, you know. And you know, and it's just funny because you know when you when you put yourself in a different culture and you're like responsive to yeah. the needs of that culture, you know, it's really powerful. It's such, I, it just changes your mind. I mean, it changed my heart when I would help um, kids learn entrepreneurship in in the black and brown community. And I remember like one of the things that like struck me was through accident of birth, I am who I am. Absolutely. And they are who they are. Yep. And I'm all, wow, like I could be you. I just literally it's random. And I think once you have that attitude, then again, you can listen. And and I, and I firmly believe that it's literally the majority has to be convinced of these things. Of course, clearly, everyone, you know, the, the black, brown, gay, they already like, Hey, we're already screaming at the top of our lungs. They're already <laughs> convinced. You got to convince the, the, the majority of this. Yeah. And I think that's a powerful message and more, more of us just have to have the conversation. And I think also, you know, interact, um, yeah. that's really powerful. And I think that's also for leadership. I think one of the other things that you brought up about listening, <sighs> The reason why I do this podcast is to practice listening, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, and but what you said, Jerry, is really interesting because, you know, one of the six competencies I talk about, I mean, they're not by accident. <laughs> I mean, empathy is exactly what you were just talking about. You know, as allies, we need to be empathetic of the needs of the others and all the all the groups around us. And as a smart leader, amping up that empathy, understanding that emotion is a powerful tool from a leadership and a business perspective. I mean, that's that's just, well, one, it's just being a kind human, humankind, but it's smart business and, and, you know, and building relationships, it's building relationships beyond the, you know, the, the, the senior executive that you want to get that contract with, or, um, you know, it, it's going all the way down to uh, that entry level, that admin person. I remember the best piece of business advice I ever received was from my mom, who was a professional secretary. And she's like, never underestimate the power of the admin. And she's, flipping right. They're the gate. They're the gatekeeper. Absolutely. And so when you build relationships, it's with not just the different demographics, but the different uh, positions within an organization that you're working with so that you can, one, build those relationships all across the board, but two, you're going to get such awesome insight for things that you maybe didn't think about when you're just trying to target that C-suite to get that contract or whatever it is. Yeah. We we had a rule when we hired people. Um, we always asked our receptionist or admin yep. what they thought. And if they didn't like them, we didn't hire them. Yep. That because did. a lot can be said about how people treat those below them. Totally. Totally. And my mom was always asked, you know, the new teacher interview, she, they'd be like, my mom, Joyce, like, Joyce, what'd you think? She's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the Joyce rule. We're going to call that, that the Joyce totally rule. Totally the Joycey rule. Exactly. <laughs> the Joyce great. test. The Joyce, the Joyce test. test. Well, <laughs> you know, I always, I always say like, when I talk with people about communications, getting, getting back to that about simplicity, I say, well, if you got to be able to explain it to your grandmother yep. and they're like confused. And I'm like, well, why your grandmother? Like, why not your grandfather? And I always kind of tell the flippant joke. I go, well, grandmother always loves you and will hear from you. And grandpa's like, pull my finger, you know, <laughs> because that's, you know, grandpas teach you things. Grandmas impart wisdom in my opinion. Oh, right? I like that. Well, I like be, well, traditionally, and like, you just look at what, 
what's the role of grandma? Mm. It's literally to impart the wisdom to the next generation. And the reason they do that is they're in a very special place in society in the world because they're the ones that like, they know what's up. Mm-hmm. They will love you. They will also tell you the truth. And they're also <laughs> in their best interest, honestly, right. yeah. to make sure the next generation gets there. Grandpa, dad has a role, but you know, again, grandpa pulled my finger. Yeah. Right? <laughs> they're about, I'm going to teach you how to chop wood, son, you know, stuff like that. Right. I'm like, you just, I'm like, did you read my book? Because it's, it's chock full of dad jokes. I guess. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah, yeah, well, totally, I mean, totally. that's a fine art, you know, that's a fine art. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I, I have a fiance now yeah, and uh, she's got a daughter and I always try to like, I'm like working on my dad jokes. Yeah. It's just a, a badge of honor. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, and, and it's it's funny because when I um when I was in the process of of, of writing the book and I, you know when when Heather, my editor, which I just think is awesome, Heather the editor, um, when she gave me the first piece of feedback, I was like a nervous kid in school. I'm like, oh my gosh, Heather's calling me. Yeah. And she's like, okay, Steve, I have to warn you. I'm like, oh no. She's like, I'm not your target audience. I'm a white cisgendered straight woman. I'm like, oh crap. She's like, this is the book I wanted for my MBA program. I'm like, what? And she's, and she's like, it's really funny. You have your dad jokes, but then you have like, then you switch to like solid leadership theory. That's been like, like 30 decades old or three decades mm-hmm. old. And I'm like, yes, cause I'm a nerdy academic, but I like dad jokes and I'm kind of funny. <laughs> so she's like, yeah, she's like, yeah it's funny. well, and, and I think again, like beautiful example of, okay, I, my audience, who is my quote unquote audience? Mm-hmm. Well, she's quote unquote, not your audience but you have reached her yeah. because what you're saying is universal and you're, you're making it universal by being specific and and really showing who you are as a leader entrepreneur. You have to be authentic. You can't be one person at work and one person at home. You're one person. Nope. And I think that's a really important thing. And then, and, and, you know, it's, it's just funny because I, I don't, I don't understand where this comes from. I mean, especially as men, like I, I, I've, I've run into this through the grief and sorrow that I, you know, went through when, when mm-hmm. Jane died. I don't know why men are not taught to show that amount of vulnerability with strength. Cause mm-hmm. I just can appreciate someone saying, God, that's screwed up. <laughs> and then showing some emotion and then like, okay, what are we going to do to fix it? As opposed to, this does not bother me. And I honestly think, you know, we were talking about the majority and, you know, all this strife in the world with our black and brown brothers and sisters that are going through and our Asian brothers and sisters mm-hmm. right now, that's just, just ridiculous stuff, all perpetrated by men, honestly. <laughs> right. And so as men, kind of our job and our fault, and I say fault and people get all pissed off, whatever, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's on us you know, abuse, rape, violence, 90, 95%, 99% perpetrated by men, most likely men that can't handle their feelings or weren't taught or were put in environments where they were abused as well. Right. Like a big, big problem. Right. And so as a leader in a community who has had its fair share of challenges with violence and discrimination, Yeah. How do you, how do you elevate that discussion to not only say we're taking care of our own, but this is how we take care of others. You know, I, I, I would, I would put it through the lens of, and I'm, I'm in Orlando, Florida. Um, and I've been here for 20, I don't know, almost 25 years, collectively speaking. I came and went, I moved away a little bit and came back. Um, but you know, this is where pulse happened. And, um, yeah. in Orlando, Orlando's always been a pretty inclusive community where, you know, Orange County, Florida is, is, is pretty progressive. We, we celebrate diversity and inclusion. The mayor has always been big on that. The mayor's been around for a while. And then when the Pulse massacre happened, uh, oddly enough, I was actually flying to San Francisco that morning. Um, and I heard, I'm about, I live a, not, about a mile from, from the site. Wow. And I saw the helicopter. I heard the helicopters because I got up really early and um, to get my flight to LA to come to, to San Francisco for work. And um, so then got me choking up. Um, yeah. So I, I, I heard the helicopters and I thought, oh, there must be 
a wreck on the interstate near me, whatever. And then so finally, when I'm looking at Facebook and I'm seeing a lot of my friends, because I mean, it's a club that a lot of us would go to. Um, and I, I, I start seeing and understanding what's what's unfolding. And um, so, I mean, it was, it was a horrible experience for, for uh, so, so, so many people. But being a glass half full kind of person, what's amazing is, is how that, that perspective and that love permeated. And, you know, I got to the Bay area and I was, I was a wreck. I, I didn't know who of my friends were there at that moment. Um, one of, one of our, our, our good friends and our neighbor is a police officer. Who's usually the off duty police person at the door. Um, wow. I, I couldn't get, a, he's not on social media. I couldn't get a hold of his at the time, fiance, now his husband. And I mean, it, it was just, a, I mean, we didn't know. Yeah. And so um, my friends in the Bay Area were like, you're coming with us. I'm like, no, I just want to stay in my hotel room. They're like, no, no, you're coming with us. And just took me out. And there there was a, a vigil that night and down the Castro. And I went there and it was just a beautiful outpouring of love. Flash forward to, uh, I mean, just progressive in Orlando that the, the days afterwards and now even the years, this community is so insanely protective of all the others. And it's, it's, I mean, you see, still see rainbow flags and people's houses for straight people. They're like, we're allies, you know, um, when anything happens, uh, racially motivated, you know, people are like, no, not Orlando. This is our house. Forget it. Yeah. And I, I wish more communities, more organizations would still have that. You know what? You're, you're our neighbor still. And, and yeah. when you throw in a pandemic and, and silly things happen, it's like, why, why are we doing this? And, and if you're a smart leader, now bring it back to a business. If you're a smart leader, you have the opportunity to make change. And, and you know, it's the, the thesis of your podcast, you know, how can you make the world better through your business? And I think right. that's so powerful. And I hate that money talks, but money talks. And, and if we can channel that money to make things more inclusive and awesome, let's do it. Well said. Well said. I, you know, when any of us are abused and oppressed as you know, Dr. King said, we're all abused and oppressed. I mean, it's a fine, it's, it's, it's really funny because the majority of people think, Oh, this will never happen to me. Right. (laughs) And then you become the minority and then it happens to you. And those protections that we fought so hard to do and that inclusion in community is, is like, that's the reason why we do it. I mean, you look at it with, I mean, some of the some of the interesting examples of like oppression, you know, if if you look at the the woke culture that the you know conservatives say, like the woke culture. Well, mm-hmm. what's interesting is that this is like kind of two sides of the coin, and and this is really important as a business to understand. Taking a stand for what's moral and right transcends, you know, left right of the aisle. Okay, like this is a basic human thing. Human dignity is important. We're all equal. That's just the way it is. It and look, and if you did, if you look at all the texts that talk about morality, they say the same thing. Once we start to get in this kind of bubble, and yeah. this is what social media and all this isolation is doing, we we for whatever reason think the other is the enemy, and it's not true. It's not true. The the enemy is in our mind. You know, and 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 and, and, and with that, I, I also. During all the last several years, you know, I'm neither party affiliate, just to be completely honest. I don't, <laughs> don't like either party. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, Proudly independent. Proudly independent. Pr- very, uh, <laughs> what are we, in Florida, we're NPA, no party affiliation. Oh, so there you I'm go. I'm an NPA. You're NPA. However, um, I think there is so much about values. And mm. so what, and so that's why I keep telling people over and over again, like, you don't have to talk politics or party line, but talk values mm. and, and getting back to your own personal values or authenticity. You know, it, yeah. I, I insanely value equity and justice for all period. Like you said, we're all equal. That's my jam. And I will, I will, that's the hill I will die on as my friend says. Yeah. And so, yeah. so once I have that lens and I know my personal values, well, then I can kind of figure out which, which person or candidate or, or policy or whatever is in line with my value system. And, and when you look at it from that perspective, I think it's better than just jumping to that, that shortcut, you know, blue, red donkey elephant kind of junk. Uh, and, but back to business, that's also how you can run your business through that values lens. And, and I, I know I've, I've had clients who, because we do diversity and inclusion training, 
got into some trouble. They come to us because they need a tick box and say, ooh, top dog, can you guys do this training? And I have to think long and hard. Do I yeah. want to do that if they're yeah. just doing a tick box? And so I, 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 I took the advice of my former business partner who said, never say no, but you can, you can make the offer so they make it a no. And so I'm like, sure, it's just quadruple the price there, person. But sure, we'll be happy to do it. They're like, ooh, that's too expensive. Oh, sorry. Or we'll go and do the work at a higher price and then take that residual and donate it to a cause that we think is worthy based yeah. upon the topic that, that, that we're talking about in the diversity program. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's so interesting that you bring that up because as you know, communications and PR professional, which is so odd to say sometimes. <laughs> um, crisis communications is one of those things where no one ever listens to their PR people and they always try to double down on like entrenching in the problem, right? I remember yeah. talking with a group of students about this the other day and, you know, they're younger, so they don't really kind of understand like, well, what happens if they get caught in a lie and you're like, well, look, you know, that's a pretty strong statement to say, because there's always, you got to really understand the full truth and the whole truth and get to the, the, the core, like tell the, tell the whole truth. But I mean, the real truth, right? But one thing I've noticed, and it's just so silly, I'd love your take on this is like, when people get into a scandal or make a mistake, they tend to double down on like, well, yeah, this is all the caveat emptor. <laughs> When they could just be like, we screwed up, I'm sorry, and this is what we're doing about it. And I don't know if that's been your experience, but why are people so afraid to just say, I screwed up? <laughs> I mean, you know, the courage one, you know, it's yeah, exactly. I mean, courage, it's, it's, yeah, great. People, yeah. people don't have, and, and what's nice about these six competencies uh, is they're so intertwined, they are not siloed. So, you know, right. I, if I don't have leadership courage, it's, it's sometimes because, you know, I don't know the relationships that are involved or my communication isn't there to communicate effectively, or I'm not being authentic to myself kind of stuff. And I think, um, you know, when I, and it's funny, we, we, you talk about crisis communication. I just, uh, I'm part of the, um, there's, there's the LGBT chamber of commerce here in Orlando, but be, because of the beauty of a pandemic and everything's virtual, I'm also part of the New York city uh, LGBT chamber of commerce. And they oh, did, this cool. was the topic last month, oh, uh, wow. was, which was really cool. timely. Cool. And it was, it was really cool the way she, way she uh, uh, kind of phrased things. But, you know, I think it's, it starts with people don't have the courage uh, um, and they don't necessarily honor the integrity to say, to exactly say what, what you said, you know, like, oh, you know what? I screwed up. And I just did this on social media the other day. I'll be completely transparent. A um, couple weeks ago, when, when the you know the rollout here in Florida uh, for the vaccine was going, I was getting really irked because I kept seeing so many people in my peer group because I'm 50, um, but people in my peer group who were getting the vaccine, and I it was I was happy for them, but I was just getting like I want my damn vaccine, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I'm 52, and I yeah. <laughs> just got signed up. I literally had mine uh, Tuesday, the first shot Ooh, Tuesday, yeah, and I well, it was the same way. I'm like. Yeah. Is it gonna ever be? I'm, you right. know, I'm, 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 I've been doing everything right. I've yeah, been, I have. I haven't been to a restaurant since March thirteenth, twenty twenty, which is yeah. also the last day I wore pants. By the way, but that's all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah TMI. Yeah, yeah TMI. <laughs> lovely. Yeah, it's yeah. Florida. It's Florida. It's Florida. Uh, I get it. But, but I. So I had this, you know, post on things, and I'm like, you know, quit, quit, you know, uh, uh, vaccine bragging, haha, yeah. and and it really people really kind of came back like, no, there's actually research that shows that if you do social media posts, it actually increases people's ability to get it. And, and I, I went back and I, I, I kept the post, but I added a comment. I said, you know what? Y'all are right. Mia culpa. Thank you. I do see things differently because of your perspective that you shared. And, and I'm not saying I'm like awesome rock star for doing that, but I think it takes courage to do that. Now that's, that's a pretty low, low risk situation. It's yeah. my peeps in Facebook, but if businesses, but ha yeah, but I mean, but, but people don't have that integrity or I shouldn't say that as a generalization, but it's hard for people to have that integrity and risk losing face when something really big happens, especially if you're a big corporation or a celebrity or, or whatever that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It's, and I think as you get a little older, it's a little bit easier, I think, just because <laughs> you sort of like, Oh, I've done stuff, whatever, you know, you know, <laughs> can, you can be the, like the crazy uncle right. kind of like curmudgeon for a little bit because you know, you're older than dirt or whatever, but it's funny, funny that. Yeah. I, I, I see your point. Like 
it's sometimes hard because it's like emotional, you know, like, oh man, you know, yep. so, but I'm, that's, that, that does take a lot of courage. And, when, when, uh, when I worked for the cruise line and again, I mentioned Ruth again, she's still my best friend, even though I had to fire her from the business, which was all oh. for good reasons. <laughs> for oh, good wow. Reasons. Um, we need to talk about that. Yeah. So, but she would always, cause I used to be like so tightly wound when I was a younger, younger, youngster, I guess. And she's like, Steve, stop will the ship still sail if dot, 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 insert whatever situations here. I'm like, you know, if we don't have the training books perfectly aligned, yeah, the ship's still going to sail. And so, right. you know, it's just putting right. things in context. I actually yeah. talk about that in private leadership is, you know, context is a massive thing that we often forget. And, yes. and so, you know, me saying, all right, you guys are right. You know, everyone show your social media vaccinations cool or, okay, um, I totally screwed up a, a $10,000 thing with my client. I need to own that and say, I'm sorry, client, what can we do for service recovery? You know, that takes, that takes lots of courage. And, um, but ultimately speaking, that's, that's going to give you even more street cred. And because when you think about leadership, the, I had somebody ask me on a podcast interview, they're like, do you know the secret to leadership? I'm like, I do. They're like, do you really? I'm like, absolutely. Do you want to know what it is? It's trust. I I could have taken my 356 page book, boiled it down to one word on one page. And that's ultimately what smart leaders do is build trust. And sometimes you have to build trust by, by, you know, eating crow and saying, all right, I screwed up, but that's going to still buy you trust down the road. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. It's such a hard to do because we have ego. You know, and mm-hmm. and it's tough to sometimes swallow the the pride and and be like, yeah, man, I probably made a bad mistake. But the more you do it, the more practice you get at it, the better you get at it. And actually, honestly, the more I do it, the more freedom I feel. Yeah, to be honest, it's pretty amazing how uh, you can just feel more free. So, yeah. We're human. We make yeah, mistakes. We're, we make mistakes. No <laughs> one's perfect. I agree. And so, so as a final question, what would you tell a young entrepreneur coming up? Um, like, what piece of advice? What skill? What thing that you would be like? You know, pay attention to this. What, what do you think that would be? I would do two things. One very big picture. I'm a Myers-Briggs N, so that's kind of what, or ENTJ. So I'm like big picture, mm-hmm. but also very strategic. So the big picture is define your business, the values I mean, we talked about earlier, but, but really make a concerted effort to, to, to sit down and think about where's your business going to go and what's the impact it's going to have on you, on those around you, on your family, your friends, your tribe, and the planet. Um, and, and you can define that however you will. You know, it's, it's, yeah, we all get into business usually because we want to make a buck. Fine. Mm. And I, hey, I'm, I'm all about capitalism. That's totally fine if you do it the right way. Right. However, be strategic and, and mindful about how you do that. So that's kind of the big picture thing. And then very tactical, think about marketing and public relations on day one. And this is not to kiss up to my, my lovely host here, but- I mean, my undergrads in PR and marketing, and I'm was I'm horrible at it, even as a business person. Oh, I'm and oh. horrible at it for myself. <laughs> That's why I do this podcast in practice. Right? <laughs> and and so you know, like. Like just thinking those little things through that that's going to reinforce the brand of your business and the brand of you, you know, start small, be a professional podcast guest, or go to those conferences and present to kind of get your street cred out, do a blog where you're giving back to the community and, and start thinking about that now. And don't do it for like, if you're one of those people who sends me a LinkedIn and the first thing is something like, um. oh, I, I came across your profile and I really like what you're doing with top dog learning group, you know, like, no, <laughs> stop. I know you're faking it. Oh, I hate that. 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 It's so, it, it's, and I it's get vi- sucked delete, in and delete. I'm like, yeah, I know it's bad. But don't do that. Don't do that. Don't ever. do that. Don't do that. <laughs> but do do it and say, Hey, I want to connect with you, Jari, because, you know, I just wrote this article on the next wave of bias. that's going to happen after the pandemic, by the way, there is going to be one. And I can, Oh yeah. No, second. it's already starting. It's, already it's starting. going to it, proximity bias is going to be a massive thing yep. for the people who are remote versus the ones in the office. But, yep. you know, Oh, I just wrote this article on it, uh, Jari. I, I think you'd really like it. Give back and let it percolate and go. That's the smart way to start that PR marketing strategy thought leader versus the other stuff. But think about that now. Yeah. Always be of service first. 
Yes. I agree. I agree. And then I'm also looking forward to your training. I know we didn't really talk a lot about it, but training (laughs) on how to be an expert, awesome podcast guest, which you are. (laughs) So I'm looking forward to promoting that because we're going to do it. It is such a gift (laughs) to have a good guest. And all my guests have been good. Don't get me wrong. But if you want to be a podcast guest, listen to what Steve has to say about it. And and a good host. Yeah. Because I true. met a couple hosts that were, it was their show and I was just the parsley on the side of the <laughs> Well, I wrote an article about that too. Did you? Okay. I, I will share it with you a little later. <laughs> I've shared do. it with everyone. I did a little thing, but I would love to love it. link back to that. I just really love what you're doing. I appreciate <laughs> so much you being on the show. I think these conversations are so important. Um, I think as humans, we're all in it together. And a lot of the time, I think we have to be patient with each other. And yeah. I think it's more of more ignorance more than anything else that, that keeps us to, apart. Um, and I really like what you're doing. So Steve, thanks so much for being well, on the show. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thanks again, Steve, for being on the show. Now, as promised, here are some apps actionable insights based on my interview with Dr. Steve, the gay leadership dude. Take some time to look at the big picture. This will help you articulate your values. Where do you want to go? Who do you want to serve? What impact do you want to have? Learn how to effectively market yourself. Start small, write a blog, be a podcast or give presentations. Focus on being of service and making those important connections. The secret to leadership? Trust. Work on building and earning the trust of others who will then want to work with you and for you. And last but not least, have empathy for others and try and see things from other perspectives. I think that's a really, really powerful one and a super important one. So everyone should pick up Dr. Steve's book, Pride Leadership, even if you're not gay. I think it's a great read. And there you have it, some actionable insights I learned from Dr. Steve, the gay leadership dude. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learn something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.